another episode here of Getting There with Gaz, talking to media members, coaches, athletes, business owners, and more. A fun episode today on the way as always. So for those who can't see you on the audio side, by the way, if you're watching the visual side, we're upgrading every single day. I got my wrestling shirt on if you're a wrestling fan. I got new graphics. I got all going on over here. But for those who can't see you, tell us who you are. What you like me to call you during this podcast? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, my name is Jesse McWilliam. Uh, you can just call me Jesse. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, working in the Capital Region. Right now, I work for Spectrum News as a uh, as an MMJ slash reporter. And uh, just going out there doing what guys is doing, man. I'm going out and telling stories, trying to find, you know, that great story. Everyone has a story, um, and it's always worth telling. So that's that's what I do on a daily basis. Before we get into the life of Jesse, go back to that term you just used, MMJ, for younger people, for people who are kind of a little fresh in the field. What is an MMJ? Yeah, so an MMJ, uh, short for a multimedia journalist, basically that is when I go out and shoot stories, I don't have a photographer with me. So I'm I'm going out there. I'm setting up the shots. I'm recording everything. I'm getting the video that goes with the stories. Um editing everything together so basically it's just a fancy term for for a one-man band so i'm going out and i'm doing it all and uh yeah no photog no photog got it right all right so when you're younger what's the dream job when you're a kid when you're growing up where'd you grow up what was your dream job and it was the same dream job you had when you were 18 years old yeah so i was born in uh born in syracuse born and raised in syracuse uh, Woo-hoo! let's go let's go <laughs> let's go 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 syracuse everything yeah. football basketball lacrosse even though the basketball team is kind of you know yeah not great this year but uh but yeah born and raised in syracuse um actually in a town called fabius new york about 20 25 minutes south of uh syracuse you just gotta take you know i-81 down get off of the tully exit get on route 80 Five minutes later, you're going to be in Fabius. More cows than people. I always tell that to everyone, and I'm not kidding when I say that. I graduated with 68 kids. Um, my brother's class, two years before me, he graduated with, I think it was like 90 or 95, and that was the biggest biggest class in school history. And it's funny. the grade, 90! 90! Yeah, 90. Crazy, right? And the the it's funny. The grade above me, they only had like 55 or 60, and they were one of the smaller classes that we've – one of the smaller classes. So it's pretty wild, man. But yeah, you know, I grew up, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I probably had the dream that everyone had of, you know, being a police officer or something along those lines. But, you know, when I turned, you know, 14, 15 years old, you know, I really started watching a lot of sports center on ESPN. I don't know why I just fell in love with it. I just, I just wanted to know what was going on in the world of sports whether it be cricket, football, basketball, it didn't matter to me. I just wanted to know what was going on. Um, I also played football in high school. I ran track in high school as well. Um, so that kind of helped as well. But I just really started watching SportsCenter and just saw how much fun that these guys and girls were, were having on TV, whether it be making jokes or just the banter back and forth with each other. And I don't know. I just put my mind to it. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be talking about sports. You know, it doesn't have to be sports, but um, I would prefer it to be sports. I think I'm, you know, pretty good, pretty knowledgeable when it comes to this now. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I just wanted to tell highlights. I wanted to tell the stories. I just wanted to, to be in the locations and say, Hey, you know, I'm at the Super Bowl or I'm at the Rose Bowl or, you know, I'm at the Cotton Bowl. I'm somewhere. I'm at the, you know, the college world series. Like I just want to be 
that person who's there on the ground, you know, seeing this stuff happen and reporting on it. And it's just kind of evolved from there. And now it's a passion. Was there a certain sports center anchor or a reporter? Was there somebody you looked up to and said, you know what, that's the guy or that's the girl that I want to be like, that is my role model when I continue to on through this career journey. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, I would probably say, you know, Steve Levy was the guy that when he was on SportsCenter, now he's he does the the Monday night football play-by-play, but he was the guy who had a lot of fun up there. I mean, even the guys on the West Coast, uh, oh, I'm forgetting their names. Neil Everett and Stan yeah, Neil, Yeah, those guys. I love those guys too. Those guys are, you know, those guys are hysterical. If you ever up at 10, 1030 at night on a Saturday, just turn on ESPN. You'll see those guys and it's hysterical. Those guys are awesome. But, but yeah, I mean, for me, I would say Steve Levy was kind of the guy that, you know, he was very professional in what he did. Um, and yeah, he was kind of the guy that I kind of looked up to and wanted to be. Now you end up having a connection later on with Steve Levy because because I know you, you go to Oswego. Yeah. Let's go through that process, though. You and 70 of your closest friends graduate from Fabius Pompey High School, and now you've got to make a decision. You've got to go to college. What colleges are you considering, and why did you eventually decide on Oswego? Yeah, so I had a, a, a wide variety of colleges that I was looking at. Um, obviously, I was looking at Syracuse, uh, given their the, the prestige they have in their mass communications program. I uh, looked at Ithaca as well. Um, also looked at St. Michael's over in Vermont in the Burlington area. Um, they had a nice little program as well. Looked at St. Rose. Um, trying to think where else. I looked at UAlbany as well. Um, Siena, even though they didn't have a broadcasting program, but you know, chatting with people there, you could kind of put something together that would resemble a broadcasting program. But that was kind of the you know the turnoff for me was you know I want to have that degree in broadcast journalism. Um, and believe it or not, Oswego was the last place that I looked at. It wasn't even a place that I really considered. I, I was, my sights were set on going to Syracuse. I don't know if I mentioned Ithaca, but I looked at Ithaca as well. It was either going to Syracuse or going to Ithaca. And those were like the two schools that I had my mind set on. But obviously those schools, if you look at the tuition, pretty expensive. So that was one thing that my parents were worried about was, you know, going to one of these schools and coming out with, you know, six figure debt, which was probably what was going to happen if I went to one of those schools. So it was my parents suggested, Hey, why don't we check out Oswego? Um, they've got a good broadcasting program. As you mentioned, Steve Levy went there. Uh, Linda Cohn, also a uh, sports center anchor went there. Um, uh, plenty of other people, Al Roker, kind of the, the, the biggest alumni from the school went there. Um, so we went up there and I didn't think much of it on the way up. I was just like, you know, as I said, I'm set on Syracuse or I'm set on Ithaca. Um, I got to stop you right there, though. When are you going? Because if you're going to Oswego in the winter, you might be covered in snow. If you're going in January and February, it might be a different trip than if you're going in the spring. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember when we went. It was, if I remember correctly, it was towards the end of my junior year of high school. So it was probably April, May-ish. So it was really nice up there. If you if you ever go to Oswego, if you're ever in the Syracuse area, go up to Oswego. I'm sure people in the Syracuse area know, but go up to Oswego in the in the the spring and the summertime, and it is absolutely gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But but yeah, I went up there then. Uh, didn't think much of it. Took the tour, met some of the people, and I fell in love. I fell in love with the place. And on the way back down, I was telling my parents like I kind of want to go to Oswego now and. 
they were like, oh, that's a, that's a good choice for you financially. And I think it's going to be a really good school for you to go to. So I decided to go to Oswego, uh, spent four years there, some of the best four years of my life. Um, got involved with uh, WTOP, the, ra- or the TV station up there. Uh, first year or first two years I spent behind the scenes learning what it was like, uh, you know, being the graphics guy, building graphics, um, being the, the, the audio operator, just kind of learning behind the scenes, everything along um, those ends. And then I decided to get in front of the camera and start doing sports. And I was a, a sports anchor for uh, one full semester. And then um, just for the heck of it, I decided to, to try out being a, uh, being a reporter for the TV station as well up there. And uh, just, you know, turning a weekly package every single week and uh, just kind of wanted to, to get a feel for everything. I knew sports was going to be my ultimate passion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some of the best four years of my life. I played three years of uh, Oswego Rugby 2, won two state championships. I actually got the shirt on, but I won't stand hey, up and take go. it off. We won, uh, <laughs> we, we won two state championships, played in uh, two national tournaments as well. Um, met some great people there, people that I'll, you know, I'll know for the rest of my life, and whenever I see him, it'll always be a good time. So Oswego was probably the best choice that I made early on in my broadcasting career, for sure. Let me go back to something you mentioned, though, because you mentioned the first two years you were behind the scenes, you were doing graphics. Was that because you weren't sure if you wanted to be in front of the camera or behind the camera? Was it a clearance thing? We've talked to other broadcasters who sometimes say you have to put out tape and demo stuff and find out, okay, you're going to be on the air. Why was the first two years behind the scenes and not in front of the camera? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. I don't think I was exactly sure. I mean, I know growing up watching the guys on SportsCenter, that's what I wanted to do, but I don't know. I was kind of, I guess you could say I was kind of scared to to go out there for the first time and put myself out there and, you know, I'd be that, that on-air personality. So I guess for me, it was a combination of you know, being a little bit timid at first and also wanting to, as I said, learn everything there is to know about a TV station behind the scenes in front of the camera. I just kind of wanted to to soak up every little bit of information that I could. Um, and ultimately, after those two years, I decided, you know what, let's just try it out. Let's just see what happens. I know it's something that I really want to do. Um, so, yeah, let's just try it out. So, yeah. Those nerves, though, that timidness, that shyness, however we want to describe it, I feel like there's so many people, whether it's your friends or your fellow colleagues who have done something else, that seems like a lot of times the biggest obstacle to overcome in this field where you feel like, oh, my God, everybody's listening to me right now. Oh, my God, everybody's judging me. They're going to go. There is a lot of anxiety that goes into, okay, you have a microphone in front of your face and you're going to present something to somebody. Uh, a lot of vulnerability comes with that as well because you're putting yourself out there in a public forum, whatever it may be. I think, and maybe you feel that way too. Like I know you just described it, but I feel like a lot of people in our field never get to the point where they want to get to because they can't overcome that side of it of people are actually looking at me. Even though it's a camera, even though it's a microphone, they freak themselves out thinking, yep. you know, like you're on TV all the time. I'm on, I was, I'm doing podcasts now, but formerly I was on a radio. I never thought about who was listening because that would mm-hmm. freak me out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, whether it be radio, broadcast, television, um, getting in front of the camera is the most nerve-wracking thing that you can do, at least for the first time. After a lot of repetition, it just becomes second nature. It just becomes, okay, there's the camera, there's the teleprompter, there's the words I got to read. It just becomes second nature at that point. But yeah, getting on camera for the first time, 
is absolutely terrifying, but it's something that you're going to have to overcome, whether it be radio, whether it be TV, you just have to go out there. You just have to do it and you have to not be scared of messing up, whether you say someone's name wrong or you mess up reading something on the teleprompter, you know, mistakes are going to happen. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. It's happened to me multiple times. You know, I've, I've gotten names wrong. I've, you know, messed up words or jumbled up my words or whatever it may be, but it's just, you, you just have to do it. It's the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it just becomes second nature. I have people come up to me, you know, whether it be friends or family and they, they say the same thing. They're like, Oh, what's it like being in front of the, being in front of the camera? Is it terrifying? And it's like, yeah, at the, at, at the beginning, it absolutely is because I don't know who's watching, you know, it's, I'm being broadcast to, you know, for example, here in the capital region, there's 600,000 some odd households or 600,000 people that live in this area. Any one of them could be watching. They all could be watching for all I know. I have no idea who's watching. So it's kind of terrifying um, to do that. But as I said, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it just becomes second nature. It just becomes, you know, you going down into the studio and boom, you're doing it. You have your personality, you have your voice, you know who you're talking to, and you just have to make it as simple as possible. You have to make it, whether it be sports or news, you have to just tailor it to, I have no idea who's watching. So let's just make it as easy as it can be to understand so everyone knows the clear cut facts and the most important information. Junior and senior year at Oswego. So you're on the air. Uh, how would you evaluate yourself? And by the time you hit oh, your gosh. senior year, how do you feel? <laughs> Confident? Back to being nervous again? Take us through those final two years as a Laker. Oh, man. When I first went on TV there, man, oh, it's like, oh, it's cringy to watch sometimes. I can see you it's sweating right like, now. You're grabbing oh, your forehead like you're just working oh, out. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah, it's... Oh man, it's, it's it was cringy at times, man. I'll be honest. I mean, whether it be whether it be you know the first time you ever do anything, when you look back five six years after you do it, you're just gonna be like, oh god, like man, I really should have gotten a haircut, or man, I really should have shaved, or like man, that tie and shirt combo not really working out, man. But but yeah, I mean, I I mean, I just had a lot of fun. I mean, looking back on it now, like yeah, there is a lot to critique and a lot to learn from, but. As I said, the first couple of times I did it, it was it was cringy. I, you know, I'd come back from to my off-campus apartment, and my then fiance and now wife would be, "Oh, you you look so good," and I was like, "Oh, gee, thanks." Like, let me go back and watch it real quick, and I'd watch it, and I'd be like, "Oh God, that was terrible." <laughs> oh God, that was terrible. What am, like what am I saying? Like, oh, like that highlight was was like super monotone. Like, come on, bring the energy, man. But but yeah, I mean, when I first started off, as I said, it it was. I thought I was doing great. Looking back on it now, it was kind of cringy. But I mean, I put some good stuff together um, for the, for the demo reel for co- or for uh, for future employment. Um, I also had an internship at uh, CNY Central. Uh, for those who don't live in the Syracuse area, that is a that is a, a CBS, NBC, and CW affiliate. Um, they do a lot of work. A lot of great people who work there. Uh, I will always be. Thankful for uh, sports director Nico Tamari in there giving me the opportunity to 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 work with them for over a year. They also got me um, some repetitions on camera as well, gave me some critiques. Um, but yeah, I'll always be thankful for them for helping me out. But 
yeah, I mean, working with them and working with the TV station, I mean, I put together what I thought was some some pretty decent stuff, and it, you know, it ultimately landed a, a job three months out of college. Whoa, three months out of college! Like basically to enjoy the summer, and then in the fall you're going into this. What is this job? Uh, how'd you land the interview? Where is it? Break us three months, man. That's really good. Yeah. So in this business, for whoever's listening, just brace yourself for rejection or brace yourself for people ghosting you. I probably applied to, I don't know, 30, 40 TV stations all across the country. It didn't matter where it was. I didn't care if I was in Montana or Nevada or Pennsylvania, wherever it may be. You just have to brace yourself for people not answering your phone calls, not answering your emails, or people just saying, no, we're not going to you know, move forward with you in the interview process. So I applied to places all across the country. Um, I thought three months was a long time to get a job right out of college because I had some friends who, you know, last couple of weeks while we were seniors had already had stuff lined up. A couple, a couple of my friends had, you know, TV gigs and I was like, man, like I don't have anything yet. Like I'm starting to freak out. Um, but then I learned down the road that three months was actually, you know, kind of a, a quick time. Some people wait, you know, six months, nine months, a year even to get their first job um, in this industry. But um, I saw the the opening. It was a KQTV in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, um, market 201. There are 210 markets in America. So <laughs> it was a very small market. But I was also blessed that it was an hour north of Kansas City. Kansas City's, you know, a fairly decent sized market, market 30, 30 or 40, somewhere in between there. But, uh, but yeah, I saw the opening, I applied, um, and believe it or not, within a day, I had a response back from, uh, from the news director saying, Hey, like, you know, we want to, we want to give you an interview. Like, we, you know, we, we, we like you real. We want to, we want to chat with you real quick. So, so I interviewed with them or interviewed with him. It was about 10, 15 minute interview real quick, kind of a preliminary you know, tell me about yourself, your career goals, all that stuff. Then I met with the sports director um, for, it was about half hour to an hour. Um, and then that was early on in the week. It was like the last, one of the last weeks of, of August, one of the first weeks of September. Um, and then by the end of that week, um, they had called me back and said, we want to give you, we, we want to offer you the job. And you know, I took it, you know, being in this industry, another thing that, you know, I want people to, to know is your first job out of college, whether it be radio, television, print, wherever, you can't be picky with it. You can't, you know, oh, I don't want to work in St. Joseph, Missouri. I don't want to work somewhere. It's like, no, like you kind of go where the first job is because that's, that's your in. That's, you know, you get your foot in the door, you put out good work, then you can be a little picky. So so yeah, worked for KQTV about an hour north of Kansas City, as I said. Was blessed to cover professional sports as, you know, in my first job out of college. I covered I covered the Chiefs. I covered the Royals. Uh, we had two Division II football teams in our viewing area. One of them, uh, Northwest Missouri State, was what I like to call the Alabama of Division II. They had you know, they were winning national championships on a regular basis. They were going fifteen and zero and demolishing teams in route to, to national championships. And, you know, I covered a, my first year when I was there within three months, 
I was covering a Division II national football championship. I had been to four or five Kansas City Chiefs games. Um, it was great. It was an absolutely incredible place to work and incredible place to to get my foot in the door. Now, timeline wise, this is before the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and Mahomes is there, and it's also you just missed the Royals winning the World Series. Yeah, so the Royals had just gone to their back-to-back World Series appearances in what was it, 2014 and 2015. Yep. I arrived there in 2016, so they were kind of tearing down that team and, and kind of rebuilding, and you know, unfortunately, are still still are rebuilding um, for that organization and for the Chiefs. Um, this is all in 2016, the the fall of 2016. So Alex Smith was still there. Patrick Mahomes was not on the team yet. Um, he was drafted a year after I was there. Um, so yeah, the Chiefs were in that stage of, you know, we realize we're a good team. We're so we're we're, we're getting the good players. We're trying to find, you know, the players there. Andy Reid had already been there. Alex Smith was the quarterback. Um, I think Jamal Charles was still there, if I remember correctly. Uh, Dwayne Bowe was still there. Um, Travis Kelsey was up and coming, not the superstar that he is now. Um, I got a funny story about him that you know we can chime into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, they, they knew they were good, but they were still trying to figure out their path in, in the AFC. I mean, the Patriots were still good. The Steelers were good. Um, but I mean, they were, I mean, they were a top tier team. I mean, they were, they had won the, the AFC West. I think, I mean, they've won it like six years in a row and, you know, they were kind of starting that streak when I was there and yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was, it, it was a hell of a time. I'm going to be thinking about the Kelsey story for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to have you give it to me now. Like I, I just, I can't even tease. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I don't even want to wait. Give me this Kelsey story. All right. All right. So it was. The second season I was covering them, so kind of near the tail end of, of, of my journey with KQTV, um, they had just won the AFC West. And, you know, I was I was shooting some stand-ups on the field afterwards. We, you know, we had talked to, to Andy Reid. We had talked to the to the guys in the in the locker room, and I was shooting some stand-ups on the field to, to edit stand-up, together. And, stand-ups for the TV term, just kind of yeah. explain that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so a stand-up uh, in TV terms is uh, um, you set up the camera, you go in front of the camera. Um, and you kind of you you deliver your report. So, you know, for example, you see on ESPN or whatever sports channel you see, you know, after a game, they're like, oh, so and so was at the game. You know, here's his report. Let let's break it down. Boom, that's me right there. Hey guys, you know, I was at the, I was a Chiefs game. You just won their second AFC championship or AFC West championship. Yada yada yada. Um, so I was just done doing that, walking back up the tunnel. Um, and all of a sudden, I just see Travis Kelsey come out of the locker room. He's got two Bud Lights in his hand. He's just, he's just, he's just you know, he's, he's double fisted Bud, Bud Lights. Um, it was great. It was awesome. I was just, <laughs> I just looked at him and just started laughing. He's got like three, four people around him, probably family, friends, and um, all that stuff. And it was just, it was just awesome. I was like, man, that's cool, man. Like, <laughs> congratulations. You just, you just won the division, but man, you got two. He's, he's slugging two Bud Lights right now. <laughs> He's got the reality show. He's popular. <laughs> he's slugging the Bud Lights. He's living life, man. Is he, 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 we made sure the camera was off before he started going full Stone Cold Steve Austin with the Bud Lights. I love yeah, it. man. He's catching them out of the stands, <laughs> cracking them together. Ah. That's right. <laughs> so look, by the way, you're young in your career. Can you kind of take us through the schedule at this point? Because it's your first job fresh out of college. You're in Market 201. Are you up till 4 o'clock in the morning? Do you have 
do we call it a social life at this point? Because it's got to be wild than what you're doing out there. Yeah. So a lot of people think that, you know, working in TV is like just your regular, you know, 40 hours a week. I work, you know, for, you know, maybe I work eight to five or whatever and get a break in there. No, that is not how it works. That is not how it works at all. There were days where, you know, maybe I would have that, that regular eight hour shift on a weekend. If, if on a Sunday, there was nothing going on, you know, you do, you do your shows, you crank out your web stories. Maybe you're out by, you know, 11, 30, 12. If you go in at, you know, three, three thirty, and you get your, your dinner break in there as well. But man, there were days that you would log like 10, 12 hours. Like you're working from noon to midnight. So you, you're going, you're going to press conferences, you're going to games, you're figuring out what's in the show. Maybe you're going in, you know, interviewing someone for, for a feature story or getting some video on someone for a feature story. It's just, you don't really know how long your day is going to be. I know, I remember one day when I was working at KQTV, I had to go to the softball state championships, which were four hours away in Springfield, four hours south down in Springfield. So the game started at, I don't know, I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. We had a couple of teams in, uh, you know, different different uh, levels or different school sizes playing uh, for state championships. So I had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning on the road by six to get there by ten for the games. And they do things a little different in Missouri. So their softball season is played in the fall. Really huh. weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, and this was also a Friday night. So you know. Football is king in the Midwest. Football is king really anywhere you go at, 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 at any level, whether it be in New York, whether it be in Missouri. Don't even get me started on Texas. It's like a religion down there. Um, that's what my brother told me. He lived there for a couple of years. Um, so, yeah. So, Friday night, we got state championship softball. So, I'm going down 6 o'clock in the morning driving down there. One team wins in the semifinals. They play again in the finals, which also happened to be in the same day. They lose in the finals. I've got to drive back to St. Joseph four more hours to go shoot high school football and co-anchor our high school football show, which goes on at 1030. So I put in, like it was like the longest day of my life. It was like 16 hours. It was terrible. I was exhausted. And eight of that was just driving. Think about that, though. Eight hours of driving, a 16-hour day. Jesse, how much actually got on TV? Three minutes for four minutes? How much was the actual footage you actually were able to roll? Yeah, so so usually what we did was for, you know, the because we had a 10 o'clock show. So sports was abbreviated in that 10 o'clock show on Fridays before we would get into our Friday football show. Usually, you know, we would kind of tease some of the highlights. So we'd be like, oh, hey, like, you know, we got one school A playing school B, like check out this really sweet play. Like you'll have to tune in in, the, in about 10 minutes to to see the full highlights from the game. So we would abbreviate that. So it, was, it would only be down to like maybe two or three minutes. So, yeah, you know, I'm shooting two full softball games and driving eight hours for literally, as you said, two, maybe three minutes of content. Oh, brutal, man. Brutal. But that's the life in TV, man. I mean. For example, that Syracuse-UConn six-overtime game, I mean, you're only allowed so much time to, to put highlights on and f- to, you know, for coaches' sound bites and player sound bites and all that stuff. So, I mean, you could be 
at a game and the game could go into extra innings or could go into overtime or whatever. You could be at a 25 inning baseball game and you only have a minute to tell the story of that game. And there's like, well, maybe the score is, you know, 20 to 20 to 17 after like 25 innings. I only, I, I have to put that down into a minute. So I have to find the best plays or, you know, the craziest catches or whatever and, and find a way to get that in there. And at the same time, tell the story of the game, because that's essentially what a highlight is. I mean, obviously we want to see the dunks. We want to see, you know, the super awesome touchdown catches or the super awesome catches, but you know, my job or the job is to tell the story of the game. It's worth repeating, by the way, for those who remember that old sports center commercial where Dwayne Wade goes into the room and, you know, it's not ready yet, Scott. It's not ready where he's cutting his yeah. own highlights. You are cutting your footage. You did not send it back to somebody at some booth back. You personally are yep. the one cutting up the shots. The B-roll, right? That's the term for TV stuff you're getting right there? Yeah, yeah. So so the B-roll is actually for like feature stories or okay, thank you. Yeah. Or, or, or some video to put over the top of, of, of a soundbite or whatever. But yeah, man, I mean we're cutting our own stuff. Maybe there was a time where, um, you know, I would drop my stuff off at the station and, you know, the sports director would be like, Oh, here, just like, let me see that card. Like I can put the game together. I was keeping tabs on it. So I would kind of know, you know, where the plays were and all that stuff. But, you know, I always wanted to cut my own stuff anyway, because I was at the game. I know what happened. I, I saw the plays and, you know, if I give the card to someone else to, to cut the game, then, you know, maybe they missed something. So it's, you know, I was at the game. I want to put the plays that I saw, the plays that I really liked and the plays that tell the story of the game in the highlight. Take us through the journey now. You're in market 201. You're in Missouri. You're doing your thing. You're working with pro teams. But as you mentioned, you're an upstate New York guy, born and raised. How did you end up in the capital region two hours east of your hometown? Yeah. So um, my wife and I, when we were living in Missouri, we always found ourselves um, whenever we wanted to go home, it was always taking vacation time. Um, so that kind of, how do I want to put it for starters? I had, I had a hell of a time living in Missouri, but we wanted to be closer to home. I mean, she's from Lafayette, New York. I'm from Fabius, New York. Um, all of our family, you know, lived in that area. Um, we just wanted to be closer to home because we always found whenever we went home, like we would take vacation time and I wanted to use that vacation time to, you know, actually go on vacation, you know, go, go to Florida, go to Europe, go to Canada, wherever. It didn't matter to me. I wanted to use that time to, to go somewhere. So, uh, one of my buddies actually worked in, uh, I went to, he was my roommate for, um, for three years in college. He texted me one day and just said, Hey man, there's, there's going to be a sports opening at spectrum. Uh, Marissa Jacks is sports director. Um, you know, here's her email, reach out to her, uh, shot her an email. She got back to me really quick and was like, yeah, you know, just, uh, just upload your stuff. Um, I'll take a look at it. And if I have any questions I'll you know, I'll give you a call. And I did all that. And, um, yeah, next thing, you know, I'm packing up my bags and packing up my apartment in St. Joseph, Missouri and making this 17 hour trek from, from Missouri to uh, back to upstate New York. And um, I think it was a great move. I mean, for me personally, I, I'll never forget working with professional teams and working with, you know, th those mammoth division two programs, but you know, there's nothing better than being closer to home and being closer to family and being closer to, to, to loved ones and all that stuff. And that's really what we wanted to do. And 
um, I think it was a great move. But there's a weight when you're talking about this with your, it's your friends, your family. You know, if you get this right, you will be closer to all of them. But this, and maybe I'm wrong, this interview with Marissa could have been the most pressure you were under in your career because if you miss this, this is, for lack of a better phrase, you're stuck in Missouri. Like you're not going back to upstate New York because if you don't get this right, all those things that you and your wife were trying to do to be connected with the family, be connected with things you're familiar with aren't going to happen if you don't get this interview right. Did it feel like the most pressure you were under in your career at that point for this interview? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of pressure for sure. I mean, I know my wife really wanted to to get back to the area. I kind of wanted to get back to the area as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there were there was a lot of pressure to to go out there and, you know, in these interviews and and really nail it, really hit the nail on the head and, you know, really put my best stuff in the demo tape to send to them as well. And yeah, it was a lot of pressure to say the least. I mean, you know, I, I remember, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the interview. It wasn't in person cause it was, um, it, it was near the end of the year and, you know, budget things, they couldn't fly me out and all that stuff. Um, and I didn't obviously want to drive 17 hours, long time. Um, <laughs> But yeah, man, like I'm doing, you know, Skype interview, Zoom interview, what we're all used to now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my legs are going, like I'm sweating. I'm like, like I, I could feel like the butterflies in my stomach and I'm just like, man, like I just, I just need to calm down. I just need to like nail this interview. But, but yeah, I mean, it all, it all turned out well and here I am. Now you get the gig, your roles and responsibilities, very similar to in Albany, what you did in Missouri, shooting footage, going out to sporting events, covering more so college teams in the capital region than the professional teams. Like you're not driving out West to cover the bills or the Sabres yeah. or Syrac you know, Syracuse college team, but more college based when you get to the capital region. Yeah. The capital region is a very unique area for sure. I mean, we don't have a professional sports team. Well, now we do, but I mean, we don't have like an NFL team or a major league baseball team or an NBA team in the area. Yeah. We have, you know, the bills, the jets, the giants, Patriots, you know, Yankees, Mets, um, Islanders, all those teams, but they're kind of, of regional interest. So the emphasis here when I got to the capital region was on high school sports. I mean, we have 60 plus high schools in the area. They're all doing great things. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of teams, a lot of kids, a lot of stories to tell. Um, so really the emphasis um, was on high school sports. It was, I mean, college sports w was, was a very close second. But everyone seemed to to rally around the high school sports, football, basketball, lacrosse. I mean, lacrosse is now a hot like one of the one of the hottest hotbeds in the country. Um, or the capital region is, I should say. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it was doing the same what I was doing in Missouri, going out to press conferences, going to games, shooting highlights, um, finding interviews, finding stories, um, anchoring on the weekends. Um and then just helping out wherever I could. I mean, you know, I, there were some times where I helped out with news, whether it be election night or so breaking news, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, it was, it's awesome. All right. I got five questions for you here. Before we continue on with Jesse's story, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Hooters of Albany. Check out the crew over at Hooters right there on Wolf Road in Colony. Give them a call, 518-438-9300. I love bringing my friends into Hooters. It's one of my favorite spots here in the Capital Region. Not enough places in upstate New York have a Hooters. The delicious wings, the great beer, the fun service, and more. Shout out to Dan and Ricky and the entire crew over there at Hooters on Wolf Road. 
the Daytona Beach, the hot, the breaded, wing night, and everything else. Always great things going on at Hooters. So check them out on Wolf Road. Again, the number 518-438-9300. Stop in. Hooters is open. Practicing socially distancing and more. Ready to give gift cards. All the great things going on. Say hello to my friends, whether you're watching March Madness, whether you've got baseball on the way and more. Hooters of Albany. Who knows? Maybe next time you stop and you'll see me hanging out there enjoying some wings as well and some beers. Now back to Jesse Mack Williams' story here on Getting There with Guys. Five questions about Jesse Mack Williams, my guy from Fabius Pompey. Let's start with this one. Question number one. Is there a number one person you want to interview? Is there somebody on the list, whether it's in sports, politics, news, that, all right, a year from now, I'm setting this goal, or maybe five years from now, this is a person I really want to have a conversation with, and who is it and why? Yeah, I mean, I think I've got a couple. I know um, I've always wanted to interview Tiger Woods. You know, prayers up for him. I hope he's he's doing all right with uh, the injuries that, that that's going on with him and that that car crash last week. Um, I've always wanted to interview Tiger Woods. I grew up watching Tiger Woods. The dude is one of the most dominant golfers of all time, if not the most dominant golfer. I don't think anyone can ever replicate what he was able to do outside of Jack Nicklaus. Um, but another one who I'd also like to interview, uh, Ric Flair. Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, woo! Yeah, big, big Ric Flair guy. Big Ric Flair guy. He's awesome. Are you just a W? You know what? I, I got an improv here. I, I feel like I know the answer. Are you a W? Are you like a secret WWE fan that I didn't know about? Uh, to be honest with you, no, I do not okay. like WWE. I just, you know, some of these personalities, man, they're just like they're unbelievable. They're larger than life, and I mean, Ric Flair was one of those dudes. Like, I mean. You know, he spent more money on spilt liquor from one end of the world to the other than, you know, someone has made in their career, as he said in that in that one interview. I mean, it's just like some of the things these guys say and some of the things they do, it's just like it's unbelievable. I mean, you got Macho Man Randy Savage, you know, the cream of the crop. Like, you know, he's pulling the little creamers. He's pulled the little creamers out of his hand. It's just like some of these things, it's just like, is this really happening right now? Like some of these personalities are just they're just wild. They're just, they're just awesome. And it's just like, I would love to just go one-on-one, just sit down in a room with them and just chat with them, you know, whether it be, you know, their career, their personal life, whatever it may be, just sit down and talk with them and just, you know, learn more about them. The nature boy. I know that was only about 90 minutes. I feel like it could have been five hours. We could have had so many more nature boys. Oh my God. We, I, we, we sure could. I'll send you a picture of the time I met Ric Flair. Oh, you met him? Oh, uh, I, I met I'm him. I, uh, I met him. I met him at a Syracuse Crunch game. My buddy, shout out to Mike Camp. He uh, goes, "Hey, Nate, where's the party at tonight?" And he goes, "You guys tell me." I'm like, "Oh my god, Nate might come out with this." Of course he didn't. But the fact that one of my friends had the stones to ask Ric Flair, "Where's the party tonight?" was an amazing moment. Our biggest mistake, whether it be in television, maybe it's back in Oswego, that so many listening can say, "Okay." Jesse told me, don't do this. And I didn't realize I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, biggest mistake. Besides coming on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, some of the biggest mistakes that I've made probably would be, you know, it may not be, you know, something that has dramatically changed my career, but, you know, there were times where, you know, maybe I would be, you know, 
a little careless when it came to, you know, cutting video or, you know, even, you know, CG spellings, you know, computer certain, graphics. Spellings. Cer- sorry, sorry to cut you off. A certain button you may have hit with one of your bosses early on. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to please everyone. I mean, there, there were times where, you know, I may not have been with my sports director, or maybe the news director, you know, at, at least at, you know, KQ2, where, you know, I would mess something up and, you know, I have to go in and chat with him and, you know, tell him what happened and, you know, how do we rectify the situation? I mean, it was nothing, you know, really bad, but, you know, whether it be, you know, the way that I structured my, a sports cast or the way that I, you know, told a story or, you know, something, you know, cutting a video or, you know, CGing or anything along those lines. I mean, I would say I, I, I was definitely a little careless at times, times where, you know, I would get sloppy when it came to cutting or sloppy when it came to spelling and, you know, misspellings would air on, on TV and, you know, we get phone calls, people, oh yeah, that's, that's not spelled right. It's like, yeah, that's not me. I messed it up. But I mean, you just have to be super attentive to what you do and, I mean, even here in the capital region, when I first started, I mean, there were spelling mistakes. There were times where I, I messed up video or put the wrong video in, or, you know, when I was cutting highlights, I would delete something out of the highlight, but not delete it out of the script. And, you know, whether it be myself or, you know, someone else going up and reading the highlights and, you know, I've, I, I would mess that up and you just have to be super attentive to what you do and in everything you do really is not only in your professional career, but in your personal life as well. You just have to be like super attentive to the, to the details and and making sure that all the little things are right. Because if the little things are right, then the big things are going to be right. Don't double tap on your camera too, right? That's a nice. Yeah. Don't double tap the camera. First story I ever did at KQTV was going up to Northwest Missouri state for the, for a story on the volleyball team. They had not been great over years. And then the first year that I was there, they were really good. Um, Double tap the interview. Double tapping is when you hit the record button twice. So you record for like a second and then you stop it and you think it's still recording. Um, So I did that with when I was talking to the coach and, um, you know, I was driving back to the station and um, luckily I talked to one of the players as well, Uh, but I was driving back to the station and I was just like, all of a sudden I just had this thought in my head. I was like, huh? I wonder if I hit the record button twice when I was talking to coach <laughs> and I was like, well, there's nothing I can do about it now. So we'll just figure it out when I get back to the station. I got back to the station and uh, put the <laughs> card in and I only had the interview from the player. And I was like, looked at my boss and I was like, yeah, man, uh, I think I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> and he was just, he just kind of looked at it and was like, well, what can we do? He's like, it's, probably not worth going back up there because it was like an hour drive to get up there. Um, so we just made do with what I had. Two more here for you. Bucket list sporting event. You mentioned a lot of these early on. You mentioned Super Bowls and Rose Bowls. There one, it's like, okay, if I do this, this has been a pretty good career for me. Yeah. I mean, the Super Bowl is definitely up there. Um, definitely would want to cover a Super Bowl. You know, I'm a big college basketball guy, so I'm going to go out there and say having an opportunity to maybe cover a Final Four, a national championship team. That would be that'd be awesome. I love everything there is about college basketball. The amount of teams, the coaches, the players, the style of the game. It's way better than the NBA. That's my hot take of the day. Um, but, yeah, I would love to cover a, 
um, a Division One national championship because I did have a chance of covering a Division Two national championship in my career. Final question. We get everybody out on this. Unless I missed something you want to add at the end. Best advice for people who are listening, for you listening right now to get where you are in your career. Yeah, I mean, everyone always, you know, they have the goal of, you know, working for ESPN or, you know, working in, you know, some of those top markets, New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, wherever it may be. But my advice to you is it's not always about getting that job. I mean, that job is always nice, but, you know, you have to balance, you know, your personal life with your professional life. You have to find that balance. You can't, you know, you can't have a family at home and be working, you know, 10, 12 hour days. I mean, that's just, it's just not going to work. You're not going to be able to see your family. You're going to miss, you know, when your kid is growing up or kids are growing up, you know, you're going to miss things and, you know, you kind of have to be prepared for that, but you have to find the nice balance of being happy in your professional life and being happy in your personal life in this industry. Because if you don't, then it's just things are not going to be good down the road, you know, whether it be personal or professional, it's just things aren't going to work out. And, you know, I think I have found that balance here in the capital region. Um, You know, I see my wife constantly Um, at some point down the road, we do plan on starting a family. Um, But yeah, that, that's my advice. I mean, getting those high end jobs and, and, you know, getting, you know, that, you know, going out and, you know, being well-known. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, that, that's really cool. People come up to you, Hey, you're, you're the sports guy for, for whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. But you have to balance your personal life as well. And that's something that I will always stress. It's a very unique take of advice. And I think it's very important because so many people are so focused on that high goal at certain market, that certain paycheck number. And they forget about a lot of things you just said. Yep. about family and friends and being comfortable and, and feeling like you belong in a certain place. And what is that ultimate goal where so many people work towards it? You know, you might try to work towards market five or seven. The reason they're working toward market five or seven is because it's close to their hometown. It's close yeah. to the family. So those things adjust throughout their lives. I think it's a great piece of advice. It's an advice that not everybody's going to say. I think it's very raw and authentic. A lot of people won't admit that I want to go back and I want to be closer to my family. So I love that take. Did I miss anything? Did I leave a great story out on the table that I didn't set it up for? Is there something great you want to leave with? I felt like that was a great piece of advice. I'm still getting used to this podcast where I don't know if I close with great <laughs> advice or feel like, you know, less. I'm so used to these five hour shows and four hour shows. I feel like I leave stuff on the table. You got anything else for me before we sign off? And by, by the way, thank you for the piece you did for me and my family on Spectrum. For oh, those who absolutely. might have been listening, Jesse was a part of that. Thank you for doing that. He was the one who put that out there. So again, one more time in a public forum. I'll personally thank you for helping me out with all those good things. Yeah, man, that was a, that was a lot of that, that was a lot of fun. You know, give my best to Rex. Uh, give my best to your wife. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, trying to think of a great story that I have. Um, I mean, I guess I guess one thing that I'll always be maybe a little salty about in my in my career is. Um, missing out on the Patrick Mahomes experience in person, man, I missed it by a year. I missed it by a year. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that that's one thing that I'll always be a little salty about, but here's another one of my hot takes, at least from two years ago, 
So when I first saw Patrick Mahomes play in person, it was like a week 17 start. The Chiefs have already locked up a playoff spot. They were, you know, they had benched their starters for, you know, to rest them up and all that stuff. And um, Patrick Mahomes got the start because Alex Smith was the starter. Um, yeah, I was not impressed with the first time that I saw Patrick Mahomes take the field. I was not impressed. I was not impressed at all. And then when he was going to be the starter next year, I was like, okay, like, again, I wasn't overly impressed with, you know, that first game that I saw him in and go against a starting NFL defense for four quarters. I wasn't impressed, man. I ate my words real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I ate my words real quick, man. After like, you know, three, four games of watching him throw like five touchdowns a game. I'm like, okay, well, apparently he got a lot better since last year because, you know, that first game he was, he was missing receivers. You know, he had thrown an interception, no touchdowns. Um, You know, you can look it up. It was that, that final game of the 2017 season for the Chiefs, I don't I think they were playing the Broncos, if I remember correctly. And yeah, I just wasn't impressed, man. I don't I don't know. I'll do this I for you know. then. I'll make this promise for you because I know a lot of you TV guys, and this is something we didn't get a chance to hit on, but we'll just hit on it real quick here. A lot of people in TV may get frustrated because their cast is so small, they really never get to give opinions and takes and everything else that you want to get the news and get out. So I'll do this. In the future. You'll come back, hopefully, co-host a sports-heavy episode with me, 30 to 45 minutes. We'll give takes. We'll give predictions. We'll give all that stuff. So you can redeem yourself here on Getting There with Gaz <laughs> with better takes than Pat Mahomes. Is I not love good. it. Pat Mahomes is a bum. No, no, Jesse McWilliams is coming back. He's got better takes. That will be my promise. I'll leave the door open for you to come on for a sports-heavy episode, all right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's another thing, you know, in this world that, you know, when you're working at a local television station, it's not – you know, you can't be Stephen A. Smith. You can't go out there and say, oh, he's trash or this team is terrible or anything like that. Because A, you're going to burn bridges with coaches. And that's one thing you don't want to do in, in any industry. Um, but, you know, luckily Stephen A. Smith is, you know, kind of that personality where he can get away with it. But yeah, I mean, when you work in local television, it's, you know, it's about telling the facts, what's happening with this team. Yeah, you, you can get, you know, you can dive into some some takes a little bit here and there, but for people who think that working in for a local sports or for a local TV station in Albany or Syracuse or Buffalo, wherever it may be, you're not going to be Stephen A. Smith. You, you can't go out there and just have these hot takes. You got to go out there. You got to report on the team, what's going on with the team, the players, the coaches, all that stuff. And yeah, you can have your own takes, but it's not something that you know should make its way on the TV airwaves. Well, Jesse, I appreciate the time. I know it was short notice. I had all these things that were moving around. When I talked to you a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, hey, a couple of months will get you on. I'm like, do you have time today? <laughs> so I appreciate you on the short notice hopping on. Thank you so much. We'll be talking again very soon on a future episode. Yeah, man. Let me know when you want me to come back on. And uh, yeah, we can do that 30-minute talk show uh, and just just hot takes left and right. I would love it. We're going to burn up <laughs> upstate New York. All right, man. I'll, I'll catch you it. later. All right, man.